This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. American workers don't talk much about international relations. They don't know much about it, and they don't get much news about it from the news outlets. But it makes a great deal of difference what happens with us. International relations matter a lot for American workers because all of the companies in all of the nations are in competition with each other. A great deal of their competition is in lowering their costs, and particularly that means lowering unit labor costs. In other words, who can produce a unit of product for the lowest, cheapest labor cost gives a big advantage to some countries. For example, China. China has gotten ahead in producing and selling products because they have a tremendous number of people willing to work very hard for very little pay. Traditional industrialized countries like the United States have some disadvantages. For example, here in the United States, the labor force participation rate, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, stood at 62.1% last time it was measured at the end of July. That means that nearly 38% of the people who could be working in the United States aren't, and they aren't looking for a job either. Only 62.1% of the people who could be working are working or looking for a job. Unemployment at the same time at the end of July was 3.5%. Very, very low for the United States or for any capitalist country. That means since unemployment is low, that means that workers are in a position to demand better wages and benefits. It's great for workers, but for the bosses, it's a very high rate of unit labor costs, which gives them a disadvantage internationally. So it makes a great deal of difference what happens in other countries and their relationship to the working people there. A lot of things have happened to indicate that the United States no longer has the economic domination that they have enjoyed since World War II. For example, the best example I know of is in Colombia. Colombia for decades has been a very center of United States interests in South America. They've been using Colombia for almost everything and particularly to threaten Venezuela because the United States is trying to stop Venezuela from uh, having any economic activity. Uh, they've managed to almost shut them down as far as their oil industry goes. And they've even gone so far as to engage in some very questionable politics. But the new president of Colombia, sworn in yesterday, is Gustavo Petro, a former guerrilla and a person who is supported by the people, the working people of Colombia, but not by the United States. You can be sure that the State Department does not like Gustavo Petro. One of the things he did was normalize relations with Venezuela and reopen the border and reopen their embassies. And that's, that's already happened. 
He also said on his first day in his inaugural address that he stands for environmental and economic justice. He's going to tax the rich, in other words. These are not things that the United States wanted done. There are several other things going on in different countries that indicate that the United States is losing the hold that it had at the end of World War II and has enjoyed all the time since the end of World War II. Will the United States continue to dominate South America and the Caribbean economically? Well, we shall see, but here are just some things that happened in the past week. They had an election in the islands of St. Kist and Nevis. They held them last Friday and they declared the victory for the St. Kitts Nevis Labor Party. They spell it L-A-B-O-U-R. But a labor party is a party that supports workers. It's not something that you would expect to suck up to the United States. They got six seats out of the 11 in the National Assembly. Over in Trinidad and Tobago, the agenda of the Minister of Trinidad and Tobago went to Venezuela, and it included a review of cooperation and strategic alliance agreements with Venezuela, which is a country the United States has been trying to destroy. The Peruvian vice president says he will attend the swearing-in ceremony of Gustavo Petro over in Colombia. So Peru is warming up to uh, the new Colombian president. Mexico and Bolivia reaffirmed their decision to promote an alliance for bilateral and regional cooperation in the exploitation of lithium. Now, I don't know if you followed this thing about lithium very much. It's a very rare mineral. They only have it in a few places, and Bolivia is one of the biggest ones. And it's very, very necessary as the whole world changes over to electric cars. They need the lithium for the batteries. At one time, Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, indicated that he could have all the Bolivian lithium that he wanted anytime he wanted it. And the Bolivians have said, no, you can't. Will the American oil companies continue to force all nations to use United States dollars in all transactions? Maybe not. Some news from this past week. The Mir card system is currently used in Turkey, Vietnam, Armenia, Uzbekistan, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, South Ossetia, and Abkhazia. It is a Russian alternative to European and U.S. payment systems. In other words, people are buying Russian oil without using U.S. dollars. Turkey and Russia now trade in rubles. I got all this news from the, a news agency in South America called Telesur. I look at it because it may not be true. I don't know. I don't know which is true, but I do know that what they publish is quite different from what people in the United States are reading, where five corporations control 90% of the media in the United States. I got this from the AFL-CIO podcaster. A lot of us have labor podcasts. That's what you're listening to now, the labor podcast from KNON. 
And one of the podcasters actually works for Solidarity Center at AF of LCIO. Now, it's well known that the AF of LCIO allies itself with the State Department. They don't really have a separate and independent position on international affairs because they get money, basically, through the United States government. And so one would expect them to hew the line and not say anything that was not exactly what the State Department is saying. And the State Department in the United States is not saying anything bad about Ukraine. They are all saints. All the Russians are demons. That's one of the reasons I started looking for international news, because I knew they weren't all saints, and I knew the other side weren't all demons. So I started looking for anybody that would say anything from the other point of view. But this surprised me when the AF of LCIO podcaster said this, quote, Since February, union members in Ukraine have spent their free time delivering humanitarian aid during the war while their unions devote their halls and resources to helping displaced people. Yeah, that's pretty much in line with what the United States would say. But the AF of LCIO podcaster goes on. Yet, the Ukrainian parliament has used the opportunity of war and martial law to pass laws that attack workers' fundamental rights on the job and shred unions' ability to freely function. George Sandul, attorney with our partner Labor Initiatives in Ukraine, describes the assault by parliament and lobbyists in the latest Solidarity Center podcast. The Ukrainian version will be available in a few days. And here's a quote from it. Quote, instead of having some greater protection of labor rights, greater protection of the people who are baking bread, washing dishes, or cleaning the streets since March, we face the very regressive labor reform in Ukraine. So good on the AFL-CIO. They're standing up and saying what's going on in Ukraine, even though it's not what the State Department and the five corporations that control American news would like to have you believe. International relations, it makes a lot of difference for workers. Five major oil companies made $55 billion this last quarter as hundreds of millions of people around the world bore the brunt of surging prices at the pump. So this is news all from last week about how the workers of the world are no longer under the thumb of the United States and the State Department. And I don't know how people feel about the future, but I think this is a very good trend. I think that workers of the world are going to stand up, and I think they're going to find each other. They're going to work together, and they're going to get the kinds of things that Americans have won over the years and continue to win every now and then because solidarity is the answer. And it's not just solidarity from one union to another union. It's not just solidarity from a union and a church or a union and a civil rights organization or a union and a community organization. 
what we need and what we have to have is workers of the world united. And that's what seems to be going on. I consider it pretty exciting. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.